Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Today on the Sakara Life podcast, I am so thrilled to be sitting down with clean beauty advocate and entrepreneur, Greg Renfrew. She has not only completely redefined the definition of clean beauty, but is also known for her incredible advocacy work for the industry. Much like Greg, I wholeheartedly believe in understanding the importance of using clean, natural products and being an informed consumer. Whether it's the food you're eating or the products that you use in your home or the makeup you put on your face every day, it's so important to pay attention to everything we put in and on our bodies as it can have lasting impacts on our health. I'm also particularly excited to chat with Greg about her path to creating Beauty Counter. Much like how Danielle and I founded Sakara. Greg created Beauty Counter out of her desire to truly make a difference in the world and change people's lives for the better. Greg is the founder and CEO of Beauty Counter, a leading clean beauty and skincare company, which she founded in 2011. Thanks to Greg's efforts, Beauty Counter has been recognized as a pioneer of the clean beauty movement, advocating for stricter regulations for the entire beauty industry. Creating a mission-driven company is so much more than making pretty products, but truly about giving people the tools to look and feel their best and have the knowledge to feel empowered to do so. So please join me in welcoming Greg Renfrew. So excited to have you on the Sakara Life podcast today. You've done so much to bring awareness to clean beauty and similar to how we look at nutrition and need to be aware of what we put into our body, the same goes for what we put onto our body. And you have really been a pioneer in this space. So, so excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So we like to start off our podcast by asking you, what do you feel like your mission is here on earth? That's a really good question. I think that... I've always felt that I could do something extraordinary in the world and have always wanted, and I, I mean that with no arrogance. I just always felt sort of, if I'm by myself in, the, you know, in a dark closet and I was just being honest with myself, I've always felt that I had the capacity to do more. And so when I started Beauty Counter, it was to provide a solution to a need that I saw in the market, which is to bring safer and high-performing products into the market vis-a-vis the world of beauty. But at the end of the day, my personal goal is to make the world healthier and safer for all. And so that's my larger vision and the the mission of not only Counter Brands LLC, which is the company that owns Speedy Counter, but just my own personal mission is how do I make the world safer and healthier for everyone? And 
Can you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you come into the conclusion that this was going to be how you change the world, your impact? This entire journey began back in 2006 when I watched the film An Inconvenient Truth. And for whatever reason, that every once in a while, you know, you hear a song or you read a book or you watch a film that that really just rocks your world. And for me, that was An Inconvenient Truth. And from that day forward, I began to make significant changes in my life. I really became focused on what we were doing as people, things that were detrimental to the earth. At the same time, I was watching so many people that I love be diagnosed with different types of cancer in their 30s, both men and women. I had so many close friends struggling with fertility issues. My best friend couldn't carry a baby to term. I had so many friends give birth to kids with really significant health issues. So I came to realize that there was something going wrong, wrong for the earth and also for human health. And the one thing that could start to point to it, doing a lot of, you know, having a lot of conversations and researching things was that we had introduced many tens of thousands of chemicals into commerce and less than 10% of them had been tested for safety on human health or, you know, honestly, on health of the earth. And so knowing that I made even more changes and, and I mean, changed pretty much everything. I became, you know, a, a fanatical about, it. I mean, just obsessive about trying to protect myself and my family from, and everyone I love from their exposure to toxic chemicals. And through that process, found products that met my need, found solutions to things that I wanted to change. But in the area of skincare and color cosmetic personal care products, there just weren't any products. And so that's really why I decided to start Beauty Counter was to provide an immediate solution and to use commerce as an engine for change to actually disrupt and innovate in an industry that was that really needed it and to to really advocate over time for safer products for everyone. Can you set the stage a little bit for us around what is the state of the market today and also when you entered into the market when it comes to toxic ingredients and ingredients that are banned and that type of thing. How scary are our products? I think thankfully they're getting better and I think there are some safer products on the market for sure. When I started Beauty Counter, if you were to sort of put on a piece of paper the entire beauty industry, you had all of the incumbent brands, all the brands that we've all grown up with and known and loved from the mass market through the luxury market and everything in between. And those brands were high performance and they were sexy and they were on trend and they were packaged in these really, you know, covetable packages. But they were filled with chemicals that I didn't want on my body, chemicals that were linked to reproductive toxicity, endocrine disruption, neurotoxicity, and cancer. And then on the other end of the spectrum, when I started Beauty Counter, there were some great, very eco, natural brands that typically didn't perform particularly well, weren't packaged in a, in a very aesthetically pleasing way, weren't necessarily meeting the needs of the average consumer. And so for me, I saw this real white space that said, you can have products that perform and that are also safer. And so, you know, I think over the past eight years since we've launched Beauty Counter, you've seen a real shift in the marketplace where consumers are demanding transparency. Consumers are saying it's not enough to say the product has aloe in it. If it doesn't have aloe in it, do not put that on the label. But should you be scared? I don't think you should be scared. I think you should be cognizant of the fact that there are chemicals of concern put in all of our products and certainly in our skincare and color cosmetics. And so arming yourself with information allows the opportunity to make more informed choices to protect your health and the health of those you love. And when I started Beauty Counter, the United States had banned 11 ingredients from all personal care products. Today, we've banned 30 
And by comparison, the EU well over a decade ago had banned 1,400. So we are dangerously far behind other nations. And we are not currently in the way that, that the laws governing our industry are constructed. We are not protecting the health and safety of American citizens. And why do you think that is? And how do we get down to the root cause and, and make that change? I think that in 1938, as part of the Federal Food, Drugs, and Cosmetics Act, President Roosevelt put a law, it's one and a half pages of legislation that governs our industry. And I think at that moment in time, it was health protective because that was before World War II. And subsequent to World War II is when all these tens of thousands of chemicals were introduced into commerce. And the way that it's set up, which is very dissimilar to your world, which is the food world, the FDA has neither the power to screen ingredients for safety prior to the products being on the shelf, nor do they have the power to recall products if they're known to cause harm to health. You know, if there's an E. coli breakout or whatever, salmonella, like, boom, those products are off the shelf in two seconds. But in our industry, it's highly unregulated. In fact, it's pretty much a self-regulated. It's, it's controlled by the Personal Care Products Council, which is a self-regulated marketplace. And so I think in order to change the laws, we need the demands of consumers to continue to rise. And we need companies like Beauty Counter who have created... You know, we've created not just a brand, we created a whole movement and we've been, we have lent many millions of voices to this issue through texts, through the thousands of meetings we've held on Capitol Hill, urging members on both sides of the aisle. And there is bipartisan support for cosmetic reform. They recognize that 1938 was a hell of a long time ago and it's time for change where we're sort of at a standstill figuring out the tactical side of what does that mean in state preemption versus the federal government. And so I do think that a bill will get passed. I think things are moving forward. It's moving forward too slowly. But I do think that, again, continuing to educate the American consumer on the need for safer ingredients is helping them push members of Congress towards a better place. Yeah. And I think that that's what has happened in in the food world, that it really came from a consumer demand place that all of these new products started to come out onto the market that were better for you. And it comes from a place of being educated around what ingredients are in your food, what ingredients to look out for, what these ingredients do to you. And I think when it comes to food, it's easier for me to look at an ingredients label and say, you know, I can't even pronounce these ingredients or you know that a red dye 40 or any types of food colorings are not natural. But when it comes to your personal care products when it comes to your makeup, I find it more challenging because it's not just made out of food. Milk, sugar, egg. I, I know. It's really complicated. I mean, look, I've been doing this now for a decade of my life. And prior to that, did a pretty significant amount of research. And, and granted, I started as just an average consumer. I'm not a chemist. I'm not a beauty junkie. I didn't come from the beauty industry. But I can still have friends walk up to me with a bottle of sunscreen or something and say, is this safe? And I'm like, I don't know. Because there are certain ingredients that I recognize that I'm constantly looking for, you know, things that say pegs or anything that has the last word paraben in it, methylparaben, ethylparaben. So thiazolinone, you know, there are certain EDTA. There are certain things I am looking for that I know, oxybenzone. But then there are a lot of things that, you know, have this like crazy scientific name and then it's like, oh, it's a mint leaf. But how are you supposed <laughs> to know when it, if it's in food, yeah. it would just say mint. So I yeah. think that's really, really challenging for consumers. And that's one of the arguments I've made when I meet with members of Congress is they're like, well, the, the ingredients are listed. And that's actually also not entirely true. Certain ingredients are listed. You can pre-preserve ingredients as one example and claim preservative-free. And the consumer will never know that. There's so many loopholes. But 
the honest truth is that unless you have your PhD in chemistry, you have no idea what you're putting on your body every day. And so that's what we've tried to do with Beauty Counter is not to scare people, but arm with information, help people navigate. You know, we have something called our Never List, and we were the first company to publicly post that. And, you know, we made it in a downloadable, printable size that if you're out shopping the market, at least you know that these are certain things I don't want on my body. And at least it helps you navigate these very murky waters. But it is super complicated and it shouldn't be left into our... We shouldn't be having to try to figure this stuff out. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this never list a little bit. So you mentioned some of them. If I'm looking for makeup, what are what are some of your top nevers that I should be aware of? I think the the ingredients that you'll hear people talk about often without overwhelming this system. Well, first of all, I always say this, no matter what, without even looking at an ingredient, if you are shopping the market, no matter where you're shopping, whether that's for, you know, skincare or color cosmetics, et cetera, you want to buy fragrance free because synthetic fragrance, that's the first place where harm is caused because the phthalates, which are a class of chemicals that bind that fragrance onto your body, the synthetic fragrance, those chemicals, those phthalates are endocrine disrupting chemicals. They so closely mimic our endocrine disruption that, that your body doesn't know how to reject it. And so if there's one thing everyone should do, it's shop fragrance free. Beyond that, I think you're looking for parabens, you're looking for phthalates, you're looking for oxybenzone and sunscreen, you're looking for 1,4-dioxane, you're looking for formaldehyde, although they never, you know, they'll never write formaldehyde on things. But I think you're looking for a group of chemicals. And I think that, you know, we always try to ask people just go to beautycounter.com, print that never list out and put it in your wallet and you can shop it. So those are a few of the things. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, But is it mostly because these are endocrine disruptors or how are they going into our bodies and why are these ingredients harmful? Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, as I was just saying a second ago, when something is not entirely recognized as being foreign to your health, I mean, there, there are lots of things that they can do and there, there are different links to, you know, different issues. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not a doctor nor am I a chemist, so I can't speak to exactly <laughs> the time, the moment in time where, where cells go from being healthy to unhealthy. But if you looked at consistent data that has been compiled over 25 years by leading researchers, labs, you know, hospitals, et cetera, institutions, they would tell you that certain ingredients go and wreak havoc on your system. And whatever they're doing, just in layman's terms, is, is triggering things that either over time can build things up that, that make things going from healthy to healthy. It, it, look, if you put it into right. food, food terms, that one of the challenges with personal care products is if I put lotion on my skin that's unhealthy, unless I have an allergic reaction to it, it's not gonna, I'm not going to notice it. Whereas if I put something into my body that isn't healthy for me, I'm either going to get a stomach ache or I'm going to get food poisoning or I'm going to get bloating. Like you don't see that like immediate, oh gosh, this is not working for me. And so, you know, it's a little bit more ambiguous, but for sure they see certain chemicals showing up in breast cancer tissue, you know, all these things over and over and over again. And so we're just trying to say chemicals of concern we avoid. I think of it kind of like if you're eating conventional produce, not organic produce, that you can't taste the difference between organic kale and conventional kale. Although I I can. I feel like I can really tell the difference between non-organic kale and organic. But all of those chemicals, the pesticides, herbicides do build up into your tissues and are stored in your body or like the mercury in certain types of sushi, different types of fish. So things like that, I, I understand what you're talking about, about like 
these little uses, especially with something like your personal care products or your makeup that you're using every single day, it's tiny little bits that continue to add up and add up. And your skin does absorb what I hear. It's like two thirds of what you put onto it. So even though we're not consuming it into our bodies, it's still getting into our physical bodies to be stored. It's, it goes right into your bloodstream. And I think, think about when you take a bath and your fingers look like prunes afterwards. Think about if you're washing your bathtub with some super toxic chemical. I won't name names because I don't, but just think about the things you use to scrub your bath down with. And then there's residue and then you fill your bathtub and then you get in and all your skin feels like a prune. Well, guess what? All those chemicals just went right into your body and then they can go into your bloodstream. And unlike your digestive system, which is able to break some of these things down, actually our body is less capable of doing that and, and your skin's your largest organ. So, you know, I always say to people, you're using products every single day. The average woman, you know, you can say 12 products, 24 products, whatever it is, you're using them. And they have hundreds of chemicals in those. And no one's looking at them in conjunction with, oh, if I use my toothpaste to my body wash, to my shampoo, to my makeup, to my concealer, whatever, all those things come together. No one's really testing, oh, actually, with all these things together, is that a harmful? So, you know, the argument is, oh, it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. But actually, if you look at certain things like when people are trying to stop smoking and they just put that little patch on, it's just a tiny little bit that can stop you from smoking or stop you from getting pregnant or whatever. These are things that are in very small doses that can have a huge impact. So I say to everyone, you know, you got up in the morning, you went to yoga, you went for a run, you were drinking an organic green smoothie, and then you're putting toxic chemicals from head to toe in your largest organ. What you you put on your body matters a lot. And so that trying to help people make that connection, I always say, we draft off of your movement, we draft off the food movement, and this is the next frontier. And helping people connect the dots between what they put in their body and what they put on their body is an important step in terms of the progress for health. Yeah. And I'd say, like I mentioned right before we hopped on, I'm in the camp of eat clean, play dirty. And that's when it comes to my nutrition. At Sakara, we promote eating healthy most of the time, but then sometimes you're out. It's like you were talking about your, your daughter's birthday or you're on vacation or whatever it is, and you're eating foods that just make you feel good and you, and you don't want to have that guilt or stress about them. So that's kind of where I am in this camp of clean beauty products as well. My day-to-day skincare routine, my makeup routine, I try to use clean products. I'm a big fan of the Beauty Counter eyeshadow palettes, by the way. Love those. And then, you know, if I have a photo shoot or a special event, which hopefully one day we'll have special events again, then maybe I want to use some other type of makeup that I love the color of or a mascara with carbon black in it. Do you think that that yeah, is okay to do? Do you think that's safe? Well, <laughs> of course. I mean, look, I, first of all, I, I'm going to get you some good photo shoot makeup because I think we can, okay. I think we can run it can parallel still be tracks with any, with any, I, I actually think because we are focused on safety versus source, we source, we use both natural and some, you know, man-made ingredients that are known to be safe to health that we can drive the performance levels with our products of any any brand. Uh, mascara has been challenging, I will admit that. But other other than that, I think that we can go up against any traditional brand you're used to. With that said, what I would tell people to prioritize is the leave-on products. It, and especially because it's it can be challenging economically. And I often t- say to people, like instead of putting that brand of whatever lotion with all that synthetic fragrance in it that smells like tutti fruity and is filled with harmful chemicals, just use you know olive oil or organic coconut mm-hmm. oil if that's what's accessible to you. 
But also, you know, when you think about what should you focus on, your sunscreen, your body lotion, your face lotion, your foundation, those are things that are going to be on your body. Those are leave-on products versus rinse-off products like the conditioner in your hair or your shampoo. Those are less important. So if I were to prioritize, you know, think about body lotion. If you're putting something head to toe, that should be clean. A little bit of mascara once a week when you're going to a photo shoot versus your other one, whatever, that's, that's life. No, no big deal. But I think at the end of the day, those things that go into your skin and stay on in large volumes are very, very important. Yeah, I think that's an amazing tip. And definitely was something that I just learned about the shampoo and conditioner because I was influenced by an influencer the other day who I thought she was totally into clean beauty products. And it was late at night and I just hit buy on the shampoo and conditioner that she was using. And then it arrived to my house and I looked at the ingredients and it was a bunch of things that I just, I wasn't sure about. And so I dropped it into the EWG's Skin mm-hmm. Deep website where, you know, I just could go online and copy paste all of the ingredients, put it into the EWG and it would give me a rating. And the rating wasn't as good as I would have liked it to be. I forget the exact number that it was. And so I was thinking like, is it okay for me to use this sometimes or should I just scrap it, especially if I'm breastfeeding right now? I think if you're putting a little conditioner on the ends of your hair, I think it's okay. If you're putting body lotion all over your body and you're breastfeeding, I wouldn't. So, you know, again, everything in moderation. I mean, unfortunately, with a baby, that baby's already has hundreds of chemicals in its body before it's even come out of the womb. But but there's a perfect example. So, you know, when you think about putting products on your bodies, I mean, they're for sure when someone's pregnant and they're putting things into their skin that is going, you know, into their bloodstream and, and, you know, will go into... Uh, the baby, the EWG did something called 10 Americans years ago. And it was, it was a film on exactly this of what people are consuming or what they're exposed to when they're pregnant and how that is impacting babies. And it's, it's really sad to see that babies are being born with hundreds of chemicals before they, you know, they're pre-polluted before they come out of the, their mother's womb. With all that said, look, we're, we're resilient. And I, I, I don't want people to feel that, you know, my job is not to scare people. My job is to arm you with information so you can make better choices and to provide solutions so that you have opportunities. It's never been for me about getting beauty counter products into the hands of everyone. It's about to get safer products into the hands of everyone. And I do know that we're the undisputed leader and pioneer in the clean beauty movement, but there are other brands doing good work. And again, even if it's just going fragrance-free, putting olive oil or coconut oil on your body instead of a different lotion, like there are ways you know, that you can really protect your health and your family's health without even getting too caught up in this. So I wouldn't yeah. overthink it. No, I, I love that advice. I want to hear a little bit more about your experience with trying to change policy and your experience on Capitol Hill. What has that been like for you? How, like, how did you start doing that? What is the experience like? It's been really interesting because I don't have a background in politics and I've never spent much time in Washington or honestly on the, on the state level as a consumer. But when I started Beauty Counter, it was incredibly important to me that not only do we build a successful company and not only do we make safer products, but we actually worked hard to change the laws. As we discussed earlier, we have not updated a major federal law regulating our industry since 1938. A 60-plus billion-dollar industry is completely and utterly unregulated. And so we started small when we first, you know, we spent about a year waiting till we had enough momentum that we could say credibly, this is a movement, we're at the forefront of it, and 
we're going to change the laws. And by the way, we've actually created the Counteract Coalition and we go and fight on Capitol Hill with other brands side by side with us that believe in the clean beauty movement. You know, when we first went to DC and we've hosted like almost well, over a thousand meetings at Capitol Hill. So we've been there a lot over the years, not just me personally, but just our, our whole team. We have an entire team within Beauty Counter that's dedicated to this. People didn't really, that wasn't on their radar screen. Now it's very much on their radar screen. And actually, you know, there was a bill that was introduced to the House last year and it was moving forward and then COVID hit. It's been sort of delayed, but I think there is absolutely bipartisan support for cosmetic reform. I think every single person with whom I come in contact recognizes that we are all being exposed to toxic chemicals. We are all being touched directly or indirectly by the health issues that we face as a nation and that we know that this is a contributing factor and that that cosmetic reform needs to happen. And so I think that it's been an interesting experience to see, to bring women who are in our community of independent sellers who come and they, they share their stories. And we've had very powerful meetings with members of Congress who recognize it's time to update the laws. Now, how we update the laws has been challenging. So I think we'll be, it'll be interesting to see if we can move this forward. I think right now we need COVID to sort of settle. And then the people that would focus on this will get back to thinking about how to change the laws on cosmetics. And when I say cosmetics, that's all personal care. That's men's deodorant, shape cream, lipstick, blush, and everything in between. It's all personal care products. Yeah, that's so interesting and such an important movement and mission that you're on. So thank you for the work that you're doing there. What do you think is next for Beauty Counter? And what do you think is next for the beauty industry? Well, I think that Beauty Counter is the future of the beauty industry in that Mm. there will be a day when all beauty is clean beauty. And, you know, people used to say, is this a trend or a fad beauty counter? And today I can say confidently, not only is it, is it the now it's the future, this is the future in the same way that no one's going to go back and say, Hey, put all those preservatives. I really want that, you know, super toxic diet soda with tons of aspartame as I have a better solution. You've seen it in the food industry. No one's going to go backwards. We're not going to go backwards in terms of skincare and color cosmetics. In terms of the future for beauty counter, I think, you know, how do we continue to to reach, you know, women that we do not currently serve? How do we broaden our reach? How do we look at uh, the future with the, the way in which people interact with brands today? So we're, we spent a lot of time thinking about how to build meaningful relationships in a digital medium with lots of different people. And are there different ways that people can interact with our company and our brand? So we're, we're really focused on that. But I think, you know, for us, it's really, we believe we're the next generation leader in beauty because we believe that what we stand for really matters to consumers and it's important for our health. And we know that the industry has been woken up and people are, people are sort of followed our lead and they're joining forces with us. And I think there's a lot of momentum, not just with Beauty Counter, but other brands to create high performing, significantly safer and sustainably packaged products that, that are safe for human health and safe for the earth. And that's where the future of our industry is going. And it will be interacting with consumers digitally, for sure. Yes. Well, I absolutely hope so. I I would love for everybody to have access to clean beauty products and to not have to worry about what is in their shampoo when they order it from some influencer, that they can just trust the products that they receive to be good for them and good for the planet. I feel like we have covered so much today and that I've learned a lot. I feel like there are some really great tips and nuggets in here that our listeners are going to be able to walk away with and put into their own lives. I've had this question in the back of my mind, and so I want to ask it to you. But when I asked you about your mission, you talked about having this feeling inside of you that you 
needed to do something big. And before starting Beauty Counter, you had quite the successful career as well. But I, I've had this feeling that what you said resonated with me. Like I had this feeling I was living in Spain. I was teaching English to children, had a great life. And my family there would tell me, you know, I, I would say, I, I just, I want to do more. I want to start my own business. I want to do all these things. I need a career. And they're like, you have a great career. I don't know what you're looking for. You're such a dreamer. You have your head in the clouds. You need to put your feet on the ground. And I just couldn't explain this feeling that I had. And it gave me a lot of anxiety, to be honest. Did you ever feel anxiety or any of these types of like internal emotions along your path? For sure. I feel it every single day. You know, it's an interesting question. And I think that if you if you were to look at entrepreneurs who really care about impact, because they're entrepreneurs that just want to make money, and that's great. They, they see an opportunity in the marketplace, and it's for them, it's about building a successful company that makes a lot of money. And look, I'm, I run a for-profit institution. I want to make money as well. But for me, it's always been a bit of a calling. I'm not a particularly religious person. I am. I would consider myself to be spiritual, but not, not religious. But I've always felt inside me that someone was calling me to do more. I'm older than you are. And when I turned 40, I looked at my life and I thought, have I done everything I can do on this earth? I have a successful marriage. I have three wonderful children. I've enjoyed a fairly successful career, but can I do more? And there was a little voice inside of me that said, you can do more. You can make a, a more profound impact on the world. And so I went for it, anxious as hell and scared all the time and uncertain even today, having built a pretty successful company and people are like, oh my God, you know, beauty care is huge now and you guys are so profitable, blah, whatever. And I'm like, I still don't feel successful. I don't feel any more successful today than I did before. Now I, you know, I just keep setting the bar higher. I'm looking at what's going on with women leaving the workforce and droves. And I'm thinking, how do I create a million jobs for women? How do I join forces with other women to further and advance women? Not because I'm anti-men, but because I'm pro-women and I believe the world needs us today more than ever. How do I help more people? You know, okay, well, I only have this many followers on Instagram. How do I increase my platform so that more people learn about this? And it's constantly keeping me up at night. So I'm filled with anxiety and fear all the time, but that doesn't stop me from doing what I'm doing. And I think that, you know, one of the things I've learned through Beauty Counter is that women doubt themselves, they get anxious and scared, and then they stop. And I think that you just gotta keep going and you've got to say, I'm scared and I'm going to keep going. I'm anxious, and I'm going to do this. And if there's a voice in your head telling you that you need to do something, I promise you, you've got this. You just have to do it. Yeah, I think my anxiety was coming from resisting the path that I was supposed to be on and feeling that anxiety of that I have to do more and where I am right now in my life is not fulfilling that. Mm -hmm. And I think my way out of it was exactly what you were saying, by doing Right. But I needed to just start doing. And I wasn't sure when, when we started Sakara, I wasn't sure what it was going to be or that this was it. But just by taking action, it led us to where we are today. And every single challenge that we've had. Of which there are many, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nonstop challenges. But if we let those get us down, we wouldn't be where we are today. And I think it is exactly what you're talking about of like, how can we help more people? I honestly feel like that is the key to success is the better that you can service your client and service more people, the bigger your business is going to be and the more successful it will be. So I love what you're talking about with 
like thinking about, all right, I've accomplished this piece. And now what is the next impact that I can make? Right. One of the things you said that I just want to note, because I think there are probably quite a few people that listen to you and listen to your words. You said something that was so important, which is that someone told you that you were enough or that what you were doing was that you had your head in the clouds or whatever. And one of the things I've seen time and time again is that women have something in their heads that they want to do. They believe that they can do more. They believe they want to start something or whatever. And they, they take that, they start to take that step and someone in the background invalidates what they're feeling and says, you're never going to be successful at this, or I don't want you to do this, or you don't have time to do this, or the kids need you or whatever I need you, or I need you to do this. And I want to remind everyone that when someone sells that to you, if you feel in your heart, you need to do something, you got to do it and like do it unapologetically go for it and don't look for anyone's external validation to tell you what you know to be true inside of you. I I would wonder what it would be like in the world if everyone that was told they couldn't do something actually went for it instead, instead of stopping in their tracks. And that's something that we do oftentimes as women. I'm so glad you didn't. Thank God you didn't because look what you've been able to do by not listening to someone who probably had no malintent, but just couldn't understand the way that you were thinking about it. And I see this all the time. And so I, I'm thankful that you went for it. So thanks for the service that you provide for all of us. I'm glad you went for it. And I hope you can, that little story can illustrate for so many others that, that by going for it, that, that you were right. And I think that entrepreneurs have a vision of something that doesn't exist in the world yet. So it can be difficult for people to see your vision with you when they haven't seen it before existing out in the world. Exactly. And, you know, and I think that that's part of a leader's role is to share that vision with other people, help more and more people see that vision so that they can make it happen. And it's hard to get clear on, on what that vision is sometimes, because I think for me, our goal is to make Sakara a big platform for everybody and that we still have so much work we have to do. We know that our price point isn't accessible for everybody. We know that we could do better on packaging and lots of different places and all of those things are in work and we're making an effort to do so, but it takes time. And so, you know, I think sometimes I still feel that anxiety of like, we need to do more, that there's Um, still so much left to do. And like what you're talking about, yes, we've accomplished a lot and people are like, oh, aren't you so happy that Sakara is so successful? And, and I just, it feels like we still have this vision of, of where we're going and what is left to do. And now we just need to continue to share that vision with more people so that we can turn it into a reality. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And your work has just begun and you can never imagine where, and when people ask you exactly where you're going, I want to be like, I have no idea where I'm going. Like who has the answers? Who could have imagined 12 months ago, what would have transpired in the world of the last 12 months? And it, and all those things have informed what we're going to be doing moving forward. So all you can do is stay the course and dream big and, and have the confidence to focus on your business, which is all about serving other people and making the world better for others. So I applaud you and what you're doing. Thank you. Likewise. And I've loved this conversation. You're so inspiring as a female leader in business and a mission-driven business and seeing that, you know, mission-driven businesses can grow and be successful and be profitable and, 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 and. Yes. 
And so thank you for helping be an example and role model for so many other women out there. Um, Thank you. That means a lot. We do like to end all of our podcasts with what we call light work. So this is a... Rapid fire questions. (laughs) No, it can be... This is something from you. It's a either a challenge or a practice that you want to give to our listeners in order for them to put into action what we've talked about today. Okay. Let's see. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me because I think the work you you all are doing is equally important. And before we started talking, you know, live, we were having an offline conversation and you've had profound impact on, on my daughter who's turning 16. And I think that, you know, it's not just for those of us who've already had children, like you can start early, you know, with helping people make good choices in terms of what they're using to fuel their body with and how the direct correlation between food so I think you and I are very closely aligned in the work that we do. One is about food. One is about skincare and personal care. But at the end of the day, I have huge respect for what you all are building and hope that through these conversations, we can help people bring the connections together between in and on bodies. Mm-hmm. I think that you know what, what I would tell people is, because oftentimes people can get very overwhelmed by the, the prospect of making significant changes in their lives and... I would hope that as they've listened, that they would know that just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other every single day, making one small change. So maybe today you go change that body lotion out and you think about those products that you're putting all over your body and make sure that that body lotion is fragrance free or, you know, made with natural fragrance that's not harmful to health. And maybe if you think about making one change, it'll lead you to the next. And I think that what I find with people who've entered into the world of clean, whether that's through beauty products, whether that's through food, that if they dip their toe into the water, it'll make them take a look at their their life holistically and think, wow, if I changed my food and I changed my skincare, what am I cleaning my home with? Maybe I should be taking my shoes off the door at the door. Did I get rid of those nonstick pans? Have I have I switched from plastic to glass? And so I sell beauty products, but what I'm really selling is a clean lifestyle. I'm hoping to make the world healthier and safer for all, as are you. And so I would encourage people to just one foot in front of the other. It can be expensive. It can be overwhelming. Just take one little step today. Go open your bathroom cabinet and look what's in your vanity and think, I'm going to make one change. And then think about, okay, what else is in my bathroom? Maybe I could change the, you know, what I'm cleaning my tub with or my shower. And, and those little changes all add up. And you can make a difference in your life and in your health. And you can flush out some of these toxins. And so every little bit matters. It matters a lot. And the choices that you make today will matter tomorrow. And so even though you can't see it in the immediate, know that in the long term, your body will thank you for it. Thanks for being on the Sakara Life podcast with us today. It was my pleasure. It's been fun. Something that I've been thinking about lately and something that Greg touched on during our conversation is the responsibility that companies, founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs have, not just to providing a a great product for their customer or their client, but the responsibility that they have to making society and the world a better place, leaving the world in a better place than when they found it. And thinking about how much power companies have these days, I think if you're looking around at the political environment, about things that are happening in the world, and just how much power companies have these days, whether you're for it or against it, 
you can see that 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 that's true and that's real. And so I've been reflecting on what that means for us as entrepreneurs and for our company. And it's just really made an impact on me. I'm thinking about how can we do better? How can we continue to service more people? How can we make our products better, our packaging better? How can we get this information out to more people and impact more people's lives and and help the planet at the same time? That it's not just about benefiting the shareholder, but benefit benefiting all people everywhere. And so, you know, this isn't something <laughs> that is light to talk about, uh, but it's just been on my mind a lot and I don't have all the answers and Danielle doesn't have all the answers yet, but I think that it's something that we do care about and are constantly working toward. So just thought that I'd mention that and always love to hear from you guys, what your thoughts are, what you're thinking about. And if you have any thoughts for for Sakara and our future, this is something that we are co-creating between us and all of our employees, all of our Sakara lights out there. So we'd love to hear from you. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights.